Welcome to the Village Church Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and taking the time to listen. We've prayed that this podcast channel blesses and encourages the Village family. So lean in with an open heart, eager to grow and enjoy the episode. This morning, I want to talk about what it means to be all in. It is an all in service, but in terms of what it means to be all in in our relationship with God. All in when it comes to being followers of Jesus. And uh, I looked up this term, all in, to try and get a better understanding of what the dictionary may say about it. And uh, this is what the free dictionary says. It's to be fully committed to a task or endeavor, to give or be prepared to give all of one's energy or resources towards something. Isn't that a great definition of how we should be living our Christian lives? Eh? Amen? Yes? Maybe? No? Gordon reckons, yep. Fully committed. Not half-hearted commitment. Not a bit here and a bit there. Fully committed. To give or be prepared to give all of one's energy, resources, whatever else God calls us to give towards him who is so worthy of it. That should describe our Christianity. Eh? Because it's certainly how Jesus puts it when he talks about following him. Remember in Matthew 16 verse 24, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple. Another translation says, whoever would come after me, which I think is even better. Because I don't know if we all fully understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. But I think it describes it better when Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must what? Deny himself, take up his cross, which is God's purpose for his or her life, and then follow me with everything they have. Friends, that's discipleship. That's being a follower of Jesus. I'm nervous to tell people that I'm a Christian. You know why? Because people see Christians out there in society and say, I don't want to be like that. If people ask me or I get an opportunity to to talk about who I am, what I do, I say I'm a follower of Jesus. Now, it may not be different to you, and it may even seem like semantics. But friends, a follower of Jesus is a disciple of Jesus, one who goes after Jesus, who's willing to give their all, their best, fully committed, as that um, definition says, to him and to his call. Which means then there are no ifs or buts when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. We either all in or we're not in at all. There's no such thing as being semi-in when it comes to our relationship with God and with his call on our lives. No such thing. Remember Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, he says, I wish you were either hot or cold. I wish you were either all in or all out. But because you're lukewarm, because you semi-in, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Revelation 3.16. Put another way, he's saying, there's no place for mediocrity. There's no place for half-heartedness when it comes to me and my kingdom. Only an all-in, in heart, in attitude, in purpose. Matthew 12, verse 30, Jesus puts it like this, whoever is not with me is against me. 
And whoever does not gather with me scatters. In other words, if you're not for me, if you're not all in with me, then he says you're actually against me. Now, I'm not saying it. Jesus is saying it. Now, don't be condemned by it. Make the adjustments. In fact, that's why Jesus speaks of our Christianity, of us being followers of him as an all or nothing issue. You're either all in or you're not in at all. There are no half measures. Read the Gospels. Read the letters. No half measures. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Friends, please hear that this morning. Jesus said in in Luke chapter 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you do not do what I say? In some ways he's saying, well, call me something else. Call me Jesus. Call me a helper. Call me a, a friend. Call me a whatever. But don't call me Lord unless you're prepared to do what I say. Unless you're going to go after me with everything you have. Friends, I'm challenged by that. I can be flippant sometimes with Lord this, Lord that. And then I stop and I say, well, is he really Lord of those things that I'm requesting or those things that I'm giving myself to? Because if he's not Lord of them, then don't let me say, Lord, Lord. You hear what I'm saying? All right. So the question is, what's going to help us be all in and remain all in when it comes to the outworking of our faith? When it comes to us being true followers of Jesus, what is required? What is necessary? Well, before we look at at some keys here, let me just start by saying what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7, when he said, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. In other words, godliness and Christ-likeness and Christian living doesn't just happen. It takes time. It requires effort, discipline, commitment. Paul describes it like this when he wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through to 27. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? All of you are running a race, but only one gets the prize. (laughs) Only one. So what is he saying here? Run. Run your Christian race in such a way as to get the prize. Don't just be like the average runner. No, run hard. Run as though you're wanting to take hold of something, that you're wanting to live in the purposes that God has for you. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games, and and the analogy is athletes here, is equating it to athletes, goes into strict training. Not just training, there's some strict training if you want to be a good athlete. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it. We run our race to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, as a result of that incredible truth, Paul says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. No purpose, no direction. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I will not be disqualified for the prize, for that which God has called me to. 
and what he's purposed for me. Can I ask you, is that how you are running your Christian race? With that sort of energy, with that sort of determination, with that sort of passion? Or is it a nonchalant stroll through life? Challenging question, eh? Because the truth is, any athlete who wants to achieve any sporting success has to be focused. They've got to be committed, disciplined in their craft, which also means that they have to renounce certain things and they have to pledge themselves to other things if they're going to achieve their goal. Ask any athlete. Well, then why not for the believer? That's true for an athlete who's out to win a prize that doesn't last. Why not for us who are going after the ultimate prize? That one that lasts forever and ever. So let me ask you this morning. What are are some of the things in your life that need to be renounced? That need to be removed so that you can advance in Christ? What might be hindering you in your race and potentially maybe even disqualifying you from the promises and the inheritance that God has for you? Friends, this is a big deal. We cannot just live for today. We've got to live for eternity. We've got to store up for ourselves treasures, not here on earth, but in heaven where it matters. And there are some things that have the potential to disqualify us. Things that are continually wanting to cut in on our race. Things that want to handicap us, hold us back, pull us away, pull us down. Friends, are we aware of what those things are? And if we are, what are we doing about them? Is there a willingness to renounce them? A willingness to break free of them? And to move on so that God can use us in the way that he wants us to. That we can live in the fullness of what he has for us. This is how the writer to the Hebrews puts it. In Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on, therefore us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Two different things here. Throw off everything that hinders is not necessarily sin, but it's things that are going to get in the way. Things that are going to hold you back. Things that have become a distraction. Things that take the place even of God sometimes. Throw off everything that hinders you in your race. And of course the sin. That so easily entangles because that's what sin does. It trips you up. And let us run. Can you say run? Run. Run. (laughs) Not a casual saunter. No, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Oh, only on Jesus, the author, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. My point is this, that if we're going to run hard for Jesus, it's going to require discipline. It's going to require commitment. It's going to require perseverance. 
it's going to necessitate us becoming spiritually fit. Not just physically fit, spiritually fit. Because physical training has some value, Paul says. But godliness has value for all things. And it's going to require us becoming spiritually fit. Why? So that we can finish the race. And we can can complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to each one of us. Acts 20, verse 24. So what does it mean to be all in with Jesus? Which is our Christward focus, Christward vision. What does it mean to be all in with his church, which is our churchward focus? And then what does it mean to be all in with Jesus' commission, which is our worldward focus? In essence, it's the three V's that we've been speaking about over the last three weeks, vision, values, and ventures. So number one, being all in with Jesus happens when we truly love him, truly love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. What Jesus refers to as the greatest commandment, Mark 12 verse 30. But here's the question, is that even possible? You might say, Mark, that sounds so good, but nah, that's impossible. (laughs) Ever felt like that? Well, here's the thing. You know, when God gives us a command like that, he knows that in ourselves, we don't have the ability to love him as he wants to be loved. In other words, with our whole being and with everything we have. He knows in ourselves we cannot do it. And yes, no doubt we do love God. But you know what? We also love a whole lot of other things. And if we have to be ruthlessly honest, some of those may be even more than God, hey? But here's the key to loving God. We love him because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. And so our love for God originates with God himself. He is the source of that love. He infuses us with that love, which then allows us to love him in return. We love because he first loved us. And so the more we receive of God's love, the more we enjoy God's love, the more we press into God's love, you know what? The more we'll be able to love God back. And so loving God with all of our heart speaks about loving him exclusively where we have no other gods before him. Whatever those gods may be, whatever those idols, whatever those attractions may be. But then it also means loving him intensely. In other words, with everything we've got at all times and on all occasions. It means that we love him even when we don't understand what he's up to. It means we love him when there doesn't seem to be any light at the end of the tunnel for us. That we love him when our prayers aren't being answered in the way that we had hoped. That we still love him when he says no to our requests. Or maybe when he is silent. And it's where we keep loving him. Even when bad things happen to us. When there's disappointment. When there's pain. And even when there's tragedy. We keep loving him. Why? Because we're called to love him with all of our heart. Loving him with all of our soul. For me is about loving him sincerely. It's where our innermost being reaches out to him in love. We're deep 
calls to deep, as the psalmist says. And so it's the depth of our emotion. It's the depth of our desire being poured out to God. We were able to pick up God's heart for things and for people. Where his heart becomes our heart. Where his will becomes our will. It's where our love for God surpasses all other loves. Including ourselves, our families, and the things of this world. eh? Loving God with all of our mind speaks of considering him in everything and in every way. That's loving him with our minds. It's setting our minds on, on, on things above, not on earthly things. On the things that he values. On the things that he deems important. And you know, as we get to know him by spending time in his word, the more our minds are renewed and the more we're able to love and consider him in all that we do. In everything. Which of course results in us being obedient to him. Came through in our pre-service prayer meeting this morning. God's love language is obedience. If you love me, you will obey me. But you know what? Obedience is a decision that we make with our minds. Loving God with all of our minds. And then loving God with all of our strength. For me, speaks of being extravagant and demonstrative in our love for him. Because love is a verb. Love is something we do. It's an outward demonstration of our love for God. However we demonstrate it. Because often we see these things of heart, mind, soul, and strength. But we, it just goes over our heads. I think no, actually Jesus wanted to get our attention with this. This is the depth of, of the love that he's called us to have. But of course, let me remind you, love is not just active, but it costs. Love is sacrificial. But love also perseveres. Eh? Despite the difficulties, despite the challenges in life. And if we stop loving God because of some difficulty or some disappointment, well, we have to say, was there any love there anyway? Love perseveres, friends. And that's why we call to love God with all of our strength, because it's a strength that only the Holy Spirit can provide. Being all in with Jesus, friends. Loving him with everything we've got is the greatest call, is the greatest vision that you and I can have for our lives. It's the greatest vision we can have for this church, to love Jesus with everything we have. To love the Father with everything we have. To love the Holy Spirit with everything we have. Let me ask you, are you all in, in your love for God? I can't answer that question for you. But oh, I believe the Holy Spirit even now is beginning to tug at our hearts. Draw us and remind us that this is what counts most. Being all in. Not just loving Him on a Sunday. Not just loving Him when we think about Him. But being all in with our love. Because that's what counts. That's what matters. That's what lasts forever. eh? But then secondly... What it means to be all in with Jesus' church. And I know I could, we could do a series on each of these, but I'm just wanting to in some ways summarize the last three weeks 
but take it on a, on a slightly different course. It's the second greatest commandment Jesus gave, to love your neighbor. Let's start with you, the fellow believer, even as you love yourself. Eh? Not to be like the person who said, I love Jesus, I just can't stand his church. It doesn't work like that. They come as a package. Because to be all in with his church means that you're not only all in with Jesus, but you're also all in with his people. Which means then that you cannot view them and view us as fellow parishioners. We are not that. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're in deep covenantal relationships. Which again means then our relationships cannot just be casual. They cannot just be based on a weekly gathering. No, they are covenantal. Same father, different mothers, but we're family. We're brothers and we're sisters in Christ. Which then, of course, means that we love each other. We support each other. We committed to each other. We lay our lives down for each other. We share each other's burdens. We encourage each other. All the one another's that we read in Scripture. And if that's only happening on a Sunday, then friends, we've missed what it means to love each other as we love ourselves. The second greatest commandment. Paul puts it like this in Romans 12.10 when he says, be devoted. There's nothing casual about being devoted. eh? He says, be devoted to one another here in this room. And those who are not here in love. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. It's a way we show and demonstrate our love. That's covenantal relationships being lived out. Galatians 6.10, Paul writes and he says, As you have opportunity, in other words, look for these opportunities. Do good to all people, yes, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Especially those who are part of the village church. Do good to them. Look for opportunities to be a blessing, to sow into their lives, to hold their arms up, to share their burdens, to carry their loads, whatever it may be. That's what it means to be all in with God's church. Can I carry on? And of course that happens because of our love for one another. But then it's also about being all in with the vision, with the values and the ventures of this church. Where we're all in when it comes to where God is taking us and what he's called us to. Not just some of us, not just the elders, not just the life group leaders, the deacons. No, all of us fully engaged, fully involved, going where God's called us to go. You know, one of the things that the early church devoted themselves to, Acts 2.42, was what? The fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, not just to fellowship generally, as important as that is, but to the fellowship, to the local church. But you know what? That'll only happen when we take ownership for the church. It's going to only happen when there is buy-in, when you have buy-in on this church. That you're not just a visitor. You're not just a fellow parishioner. You're not just someone who attends occasionally. 
No, this is your church, your home. These are your people. Where they go, I go. What they do under God, we do. Am I a bit strong this morning? Just smile, sorry. I, I don't mean to be intense, but this is, this is truth. Eh? It's about taking ownership of the church. Where we're willing to roll our sleeves up. Put our hand to the plow, our shoulder to the wheel. And we give our best to what God's called us to here. It's where you're adding value and making a difference. And saying, here am I, Lord. Use me. Send me. Do with me as you want when it comes to the local church. Ownership means a couple of things. And let me just throw these things out. I'm watching the clock so you can relax. Ownership means that I'm around. (laughs) I'm around. Because you know what? You cannot be involved. You cannot add value if you're not here. True, hey? And so let me say to you this morning, your presence matters. Your presence matters. Dan, your presence matters. Keisha, your presence matters. The rest of you, it doesn't. No, no, I'm joking. (laughs) I could name you all because God knows you by name. And he says your presence matters. And it's not just for your sake, but it's for the sake of those around you. Because here's the thing, when you're not around, iron cannot sharpen iron. You cannot be sharpened, nor can you sharpen those around you. And God wants us to be sharp for his purposes. And that's why the writer of the Hebrews says, to the Hebrews says, don't give up meeting together. As sadly, some are in the habit of doing. And there's a reason for it. And the reason is on either side of this verse in in, in Hebrews 10 verse 25, where it says, and let us consider, think about it, make plans for it, how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And the second part behind that verse says, and let us encourage one another. And all the more as we see the day of Christ's return approaching. Again, I want to say the truth is you cannot spur others on. You cannot encourage them if you're not here. If you don't see the church and us gathering together as an absolute high priority. Friends, that's ownership. Secondly, ownership means that I'm committed. Not just lip service, but in action. I'm committed. I'm invested here. And so when the going gets tough, I don't get going. I don't gap it. No, I dig deep. I get on my knees and I call out to God for whatever is needed, whatever is required. Friends, that's, that's investment. Eh? And you do it. Why? Because you know that God has put you here. God has added you here. And that's why, you may have heard me say this before, but let me say it again. There's such a big difference between those who join the church and those whom God adds to the church. Huge difference. And we see it in Scripture. Acts chapter 5, verse 13. It says, no one else dared join them. Even though these disciples, these apostles, were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number, added by God. 
Because let me say to you that when there is a sacrifice or a call to sacrifice or a call that's going to challenge you or where you feel like you're being inconvenienced, I've come to realize it's the, it's the joiners who bail. It's the joiners who don't want to pay the price. But when you know that God has added you here, you know what? You're going to push through. You become part of the solution, not part of the problem because you're committed. You're invested and you're on board. Amen? And then thirdly, ownership means I'm willing to contribute in whatever way, in whatever is needed. And that's why there's such a big difference between being a consumer and a contributor. Huh? Big difference. I think we've got used to being consumers because we live in a consumeristic world. But sadly, we've brought that into the church. And so if it doesn't benefit me, I don't want it. If it's not going to satisfy me and meet my needs, well, I'm not interested. If it's going to cost me something, count me out. But friends, that's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is about denying yourself, as we've said, taking up your cross, it's about following him with everything you've got because Jesus says forever wants to save their life, absorbed with their life, only looking out for their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Can I just say to you that is not a convenient message. Eh? And it's certainly not a consumeristic message. My point is God has called us to be contributors. To give and to use that which God has given to us, that which he's blessed us with, be it the time that he's given us, however long that may be, the talents that he's given to you and I, as well as the treasures, the resources, the finances, whatever it is that, he's, that he has blessed us with. It's about being rich towards God, as Jesus talks in that parable in Luke chapter 16, uh, Luke chapter 12. Being all in with Jesus' church. Friends, I, I, I trust that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning. Speaking to me this morning. Of what it means, yes, to be all in with him, 100%. But then all in with his church. We never, have never been called to be visitors in the church. Fellow parishioners. That's not what it's about. Go and read the book of Acts. And you see how they laid their lives down, how they sold property and laid it at the apostles' feet because they were all in, all in with the church. And then thirdly, what it means to be all in with Jesus' commission. I've got five minutes to do this. To love your neighbor, not just the believer now, but the unbeliever in such a way that you're willing to go and share the love of God with them. That's what it is to be all in with Jesus' commission. Can I remind you, the church is not just about keeping the saved saved. Eh? We've never been called to be keepers of the aquarium. We've been called to be fishers of men. And Jesus tells us that in Matthew 4.19, he says, come follow me and everything will be hunky-dory and you don't need to do anything. I'll provide everything. You just sit back and enjoy now, I don't read that in my Bible. He says, come follow me and I will make you into something. Yes, I'll make you more like me, but I'll also make you 
a fisher of people. A fisher of people. To go and fish for people. And here's the amazing thing, is that if we're going to follow Jesus, and I trust that's your heart this morning, not just to be a Christian, but to be a follower of Jesus, a true disciple, one who goes after him. But if we're going to follow Jesus, you know what? It requires fishing for Jesus. It doesn't seem like you can have one without the other. They go hand in hand. It comes as a package. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, C.T. Studd said this. He said, some wish to live within the sound of church and chapel bells. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. But you know what? I think sadly many Christians are content to stay within the confines of the church sanctuary rather than being on mission outside of the church walls. eh? True. And that's why if we neglect this commission, and let me remind you it's a commission that Jesus has given to us, we stagnate. And sadly, it'll be the demise of the church should we neglect this commission. The church doesn't merely exist for us. Please hear that this morning. It, this church, the village church, does not exclusively exist for you. But we exist for those who are still to come in here. Now don't hear what I'm not saying. We're here for you. We want to equip you to do the work of the ministry. We want to see you becoming disciples of Jesus. But oh, this, this church, the church, exists for those who are still to come in. Which is why we're building an auditorium that can accommodate those who are still to come in here. But here's the thing. We can't just sit around hoping that they'll come in. No, we've got to go to them. We've got to go to them with the intention of winning some of them to Christ. Otherwise it won't happen. Ernest Southcott said this. The holiest moment of the church service. Holiest moment. Is the moment when God's people, strengthened by preaching and sacrament, go out of the church doors into the world to be the church. Friends, that's the holiest moment. When we leave here today, we can go and be the church. We can go and be light in in that dark world. We can be salt to those who need us to be salt for Jesus. Friends, this is the mandate of the church. To go out into the world for the sake of the gospel. Not to hide away from the world. God forbid, eh? And so here's our vision in a nutshell. To be all in with Christ. To be all in with his church. And to be all in with his commission. Christ his community, and his cause, all working together. Not just being all in with the church and forgetting the head of the church. Not just being all in with the head and forgetting that he has a commission. But it's holding all of these things together and saying, Lord, help me to be all in. Help me to give my best. Not in the flesh, not in my own strength, 
but in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the enabling of God's Spirit, with His energy that works so powerfully in me. Lord, I want to be all in with you. I want you to be the absolute focus of my life. I want to be all in with this church because you have a great mandate you've called us to. And I want to be all in with this great commission to go and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded us to obey. Can we be all in? Not half in, not semi in, not occasionally in, all in on every level. I know this is a strong word, eh? but I know it's a word that God wants to challenge all of our hearts with this morning. And so I'm going to invite the musos up. They're going to lead us in a song again. And I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray. And then as we sing, why don't you do business with God this morning? Even now. Lord, what is it that you're challenging me with this morning? Maybe there are things I need to renounce, get rid of, that have got in the way of me running my race. What's hindering me from being all in with Jesus? What's stopping me being all in with his church, the village church? What's the hindrance to me being all in with this great commission to go and make disciples? And if there are things that have got in the way, friends, mostly ourselves, hey, let's face it, then, oh, we deal with that even now. And so, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Your truth does hurt, Lord, but it, oh, it sets free if we'll, if we'll engage it and apply it. And I thank you, Father, that you've reminded us this morning, even in our all-in service, what it means to truly be all-in. And I pray, Father, that whatever adjustments we would need to make, I ask that you would give us the, the ability and the empowering to be able to make those adjustments. Because it's you who wills and works in us, Lord. We don't do this on our own. We can only do it in the strength and in the power of your Holy Spirit. But, oh, Lord, we want to be so caught up with you, so captivated by you, so enamored with you, where we truly would seek you first before anything else. You and your kingdom above and beyond anything else. We, oh, God, we'd have such a love for your church and for your people that we would be willing to lay our lives down. And then, oh, Lord, we would take this great commission to go and make disciples to, to seek out and to save the lost, we would take it to heart that we would look for every opportunity to be faithful to your call, to your cause. We ask this in Jesus' name.